0: Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Adventure Rob, episode 3, and today we're going to talk about the tools of the trade, specifically the most controversial of the topics, which is guns. And... I'm just going to explain a little bit about how you get a gun, what you have to do to acquire one, a little bit of knowledge I have about them and what I have in front of me, uh, which is just a 177 caliber Ruger Airhawk air rifle subpar. And that will all make sense soon. I also have eight little cans for plinking in my bag. I've got some pellets in my thingy, my pouch, and I've got a two by four with some tighter groups on it, uh, which are just like little circles I drew for aiming and zeroing in my scope. I am up in the bush just now at the A-frame. If you were listening to the last podcast, I have added a little pot hanger and I'm going to be adding some more to this one whilst I'm here, maybe today, maybe tomorrow. There is some fresh, sticky, smelly, clear sap running from the trees. And it is about 35 degrees. A little bit of wind, but not much. We had a bear and her two cubs, a sow bear, female black bear. It's called a sow. Saw one of them yesterday with two little cubs. Little cub climbed up a tree. It was beautiful. And um uh, just a reminder of how much wildlife is around this area so I have my little bear horn with me and my marine flare in my back pocket just in case hopefully you won't run into any trouble I will absolutely not use this air rifle for anything other than target shooting just now and especially never for an animal that it couldn't kill such as a bear so Uh, Obviously, you've got two or three main ways to acquire your meat when you're hunting. The first option is using a gun. A gun being something that fires a projectile and has three components to it, pretty much a chamber, a stock, a barrel, I believe. You could also use a bow and arrow, a bit more old school. I've got a bow and arrow as well, and I'm practicing with that and we'll get into that as we go for example there are specific seasons for specific kinds of weapons like a bow and arrow has a different season or earlier season than just guns and you can also have a muzzle loader season which is like an old school flintlock rifle kind of thing where i'm pretty certain you have to like make your gunpowder and you have to you know put the gunpowder in the barrel and poke it down with a stick or some obviously probably not a stick and then load it etc etc takes much longer to do that than using a rifle rifle uh so where does this begin well you know you can't just go buy a gun in canada and this might not relate to where you're up where you are in life or where you live but maybe there's some similarities you got to go through some tests first here to make sure that you're going to be comfortable handling that and not being crazy. You also need to do that just for hunting here but we won't get into that too soon. Uh, In Canada you have two different kinds of uh, courses that you can take depending on what you want to use. You have the Canadian uh, firearms safety course which is the CFSC and then you have a restricted firearms safety course as well The first one, the non-restricted, allows you to use rifles and shotguns, and that means you can buy them. It doesn't mean you can go use them unless you're at a range, like a gun range, or I guess for protection, you can't go hunting just with a, a gun license. Uh, you need to do another course for that, which is called the CORE BC, here in British Columbia anyway. I think the rest of Canada is a little bit differently, different, but uh, in, in BC you need to have uh, a hunting license as well, which makes total sense, which means you have to do a hunting course, which means you have to understand the X, Y, and Zs of all the different animals and the ethics behind it and uh, some additional things. It's about a 20-hour course, whereas the Canadian Firearms Safety course is only like, I think it's 10 hours or 12 hours It's put on in different cities and You just join a class and you do a day or two day course And then at the end of that you get What's called a PAL, a, PAL, a personal acquisition license That license allows you to go and purchase A rifle Or a shotgun uh, However you see fit And then you're uh, And ammunition And then you're you know, uh, legally authorized To hold that or have that if you did the restricted firearm safety course, you're also allowed to purchase and keep a handgun. I don't think there's any other restricted firearms other than. Oh wait, I'm, I'm. I mean, I'm sure submachine guns or assault rifles are on that list. I don't even know if you're allowed them in Canada. That thing's obviously you're not gonna take an AR-15 rifle into the bush to just whack fucking uh, deer with or other animals. It uh, doesn't mean you don't get like semi-automatic rifles, you do, but fully automatic, I don't even think you're allowed them here, maybe the restricted course lets you have it, but I mean the only reason I do a restricted course would be for a handgun for protection against uh, like a grizzly bear or a pack of wolves or something like that. Uh, again, I don't even think you're allowed to shoot grizzly bears in BC, so it changes the whole thing. I'm sure if it was going to fucking kill you, then you'd be okay to uh, shoot it, but you'd probably go to court for that and have to deal with the whole process of it. Anyway, so let's say you go and you do your course. You have to go... First of all, you have to know all the information required to pass the course, which means you have to know different kinds of weapons. You have to know the different mechanisms of those weapons. So, for example, the weapon i have is a uh break barrel weapon you get bolt action you get oh shit what are the other ones i'm just trying to remember this i just did this online course recently about it hopefully within like the next couple months i can go and do the real one have more information No, I know i know and will know more about it but you get muzzle loaders you get pump action you get uh bolt action break, barrel, and I think there's another one. I think there's five. I can't remember what the other one is though, but pretty much that's all discussing the mechanism in how the bullet gets into the chamber ready for firing. I never knew this, like it was crazy to find this out. Do you imagine like an ammunition round, like a little ammunition that you'd see on a classic TV program or a game or something like that. And it looks like, you know, a finger with like a gold tip at the end and a big casing, shell casing. Well, the only bit that fucking fires out of the gun is the tip of it. I didn't know that. I thought the whole thing fired out. But it's just the tip. The rest of it is like what gets hit by the piston or the the action of firing is like, you know, gunpowder for example. It just bashes into that or hits it and then it fires that little tip piece out. I thought that was wild when I found. I didn't know that at all. I had no idea that was the case, but cool to know. That's probably why in Rambo you see all those shell casings go flying out of his mini gun, and just popping off. And he's like, yeah, "But yeah." So, uh, you have to complete the test before you're allowed to buy a gun, and then you have to complete the core course before you go and hunt an animal, unless that animal is Schedule C. On the wildlife list in the province that you're in in bc there are a few schedule c animals which are basically what they're discussing is invasive animals so you get eastern eastern gray squirrel uh, eastern fox squirrel the nutria which is kind of like a beaver with a big old tooth on the front of it it's like a water rodent massive one they're here uh a european starlin just kind of bird Common pigeon, also called a rock dove, you're allowed to blast them. Um, They're actually delicious. We eat them in Britain, they are good fare. So you're allowed to get them as well. What else are you allowed to get? Oh, uh, European rabbits, European cottontail rabbits, you're allowed to take. Anyway, so obviously, when you start thinking about taking the Uh, An animal's life identification of that animal becomes very important. That's why you have to do a 20-hour course before you're even able to go and do anything. You have to be able to accurately determine the differences between like a male elk and a female elk. And you even have certain restrictions on then what you're allowed to take. Like it might be a four-point bull, which is a male uh, elk, for example, with four points on his antlers. With a moose, you get more stuff. It might be a 10.4 tine. Tines are like the bottom sections of the antlers that also create points. Anyway, there are restrictions into these things that you have to know. And, I mean, the 20 hours isn't enough to, uh, to teach you at all. I probably, I did, you know, I mean, I did 10 hours online and I've probably been reading and trying to learn about this stuff for another 30 hours, something like that. So there's a lot to learn. You can't just know that that's a deer. You have to know if that's a mule deer and if it's male and if it's old enough and X, Y, Z. So there's a lot to know just before before you go out there and shoot. And that's not even talking about this the gun that you're, that you're going to use. I mean, you need to know the parts of the gun. You need to know how it works, the mechanisms. You need to know how to clean it, how to maintain it, what kind of ammunition to buy, how that ammunition changes with the weight, etc. So it's really cool and interesting to learn but there's a lot to learn as well I figured the better the quicker I start learning it the more information I'll have and the easier it will be to make the right decision when the time comes to it so I uh, went and bought a air rifle which is subpar power air rifles work differently than guns a little bit you still have some similarities obviously like the the design of the weapons the same. The difference is velocity, power, and ammunition. Obviously, you're not using rounds anymore. You're using pellets, just tiny little pellets. And it's obviously a much less powerful weapon. You can get more powerful air rifles, like up to 1500 FPS, which is feet per second. And anything over 500 feet per second is considered... Uh, a gun a firearm sorry a firearm in canada so to own a firearm you need a, PA, a pal which is by taking this course so i didn't want to have to go ahead and take the course immediately because during COVID there weren't any that were being put on in the pro in the place that i was at so i couldn't so instead i got around that by going and buying a sub power air rifle so this is a 495 fps it's under 500 in the fps it's a one seven seven caliber, which is uh, 0.177. one seven seven. I'm pretty certain caliber is just discussing the size of the chamber. It's the amount of it's the like size in inches of the chamber, which is like where the where the uh, round bullet pellet, whatever you want to call it, is going to come out of. So when it's 0.177, it's it's very, very small. You have a tiny little pellet. You might, I mean, you'd probably be able to kill a squirrel at 20 yards max, maybe 30 yards max, if you hit it in the head. That's probably the only thing you can kill. Maybe a bird too. So you ain't going around doing much. Uh, And that's good, because I don't want to do that. I want to practice. Holding the weapon, handling it safely, unloading and loading it, uh, zeroing in the scope, understanding the sights, the iron sights on it, and just getting familiar with the feel of it so I can become more comfortable and confident prior to having something that could do damage. So I'm just going to spark up a little bit of a doobie. and maybe discuss this one that i have right now so when you're buying an air rifle you really have just two types you can buy a 0.22 or a 0.177 the 0.22 is obviously going to have a larger uh round bigger palette it has to be the same velocity for me to be able to buy it because i don't have a license so it doesn't really matter for me that much yeah i, I spent days looking online at arguments from people 0.22 to 0. 177 what's the best blah 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 whatever it doesn't really matter right now i'm just trying to get used to the feel of it so i can put that to bed what that might that is going to come in handy when you're discussing a real gun and you're actually going to try and take something's life because a point you can get you can't get a 0.177 real gun but you can get a 0.22 that's a pretty standard marksman's rifle and if you were going to do that That's fine, but you would be restricted in what you can take. You wouldn't want I mean I'm you probably if you you could if you wanted to, but I'm pretty certain that you wouldn't want to try and take like a massive moose down if you had that, because it just wouldn't be powerful enough. So you might do undue damage to the animal. I might be wrong because someone more knowledgeable than me might say would probably say that if shot placement was right and you were at the correct distance and you had the correct ammunition. Then a 22 would probably be okay, especially with a follow-up shot, etc. But I'm just trying to discuss what I've learned so far and my ideas. And as those ideas change, I will just talk about how they're changing. And I'm gonna learn too. You know, I don't I know very little, so I'm trying to learn this. Uh, yeah, and then when you, you know, you start getting real weapons, you can go up to like 30 point. 06. I don't know how that makes sense because it's obviously not 30 inches wide. That would be stupid. But whatever it is, that's the size of it. And that's a really big one. I'm <clears throat> pretty certain that's massive. And it's like, you know, 10 or 15 different sizes. And then you get different ammunition that goes into these. I have three different kinds of pellet or ammo, if you want to call it, for the for the air rifle here. And the way, they, the way they change is the shape of them, the materials that they're made out of, and their weight. As long as they're the same size, as long as they're that same caliber size, so they're all one, zero point, you know, 0.177, how many times have I said that now? They're all 0.177, 5 point, no, 4.53 millimeters or something like that, and X grain, like eight grains, you know, they're a little top of me right now. You know, that's tiny, tiny weight. The grain, I think, weight, they call it grain for everything. Uh, Ammunition is done in grains, and and bow, uh, arrows for bows are done in grains too. So, you know, I have 100 grain arrows. But I don't really think you'd kill anything with that. Maybe like a rabbit, if you were good. I think you want to move up to like 200, 300, even up to 500 grain to take down something bigger. I think it goes up to like 750 grain. And I'm pretty certain, what the fuck was it? It's such an, there's so many interesting things in when you start learning about hunting, about why they call things, the reasons they call them. And grain was something like, it was called grain because that was the amount of grains of gunpowder or sand or whatever it used to take to fill the cartridge or the casing. I think that's it, anyway. I'll double check and get if I'll correct it another time. But I'm pretty certain it's something crazy like that. Shotguns are really funny for that reason too. Like, I mean, I've I've played uh, games with guns my whole life and seen them, so everyone knows what a 12 gauge shotgun is or a six gauge shotgun, you know. Uh, And that's a classic example of a pump action uh, weapon because the classic shotgun move, other than, where does it, where what doesn't do a pump action for shotguns? A double barrel shotgun, which is probably not called a double barrel shotgun, but you know, one of the really long old school ones that just has like the handle with two big long barrels going down it. Everyone knows what that is. It's on fucking Shaun of the Dead or something like that. So that little sucker, that is a break barrel weapon shotgun, brake barrel, shotgun, just like I have a brake barrel rifle, but you could also have pump action shotguns. I don't think you get pump action rifles. You do get, here we go, it gets confused. You do get pump action, uh, air rifles. Like I was also specific about which air rifle I bought. bought. I bought a brake barrel because it's the closest towards a traditional uh, rifle. Air rifles you get have, uh, gas canisters on them, like CO2 canisters, they're pissed. they're uh, pressure-based, So, but no real gun has that. Or other ones are pump-based, you have to like pump it like, I'm, I'm not even joking, like a hundred times, kind of like a water pistol when you were eight. So I got this brake barrel one for a reason. So yeah, with the shotguns it's interesting because uh, like a 12-gauge shotgun, it's called that because the number is the amount of little lead balls are inside each shell that you put that you load into the uh, magazine of the weapon. So, you know, you see people with those like red shotgun shells, they're very different than normal ammunition or other ammunition. They load them in. Inside that is actually little balls, like little lead balls, and that's what hits the target. So, a 12 gauge, there are 12, I think this is it anyway, there are 12 balls inside there and i think it always it always uh, weighs up to a pound each that's what it used to be anyway so you get uh uh you know a, for example a one gauge would be like a pound of weight in a ball in a lead ball in that shell casing that's actually not a thing it's, that's called uh, i think a slug shot which is pretty much just a single big heavy ball but Think of it the other way, like a 22 gauge, you've got 22 smaller balls inside this thing. Whereas a 12 gauge, you have 12 larger balls, a 6 gauge or an 8 gauge, you you get the picture? So the lower the number, the bigger the ammunition or the bigger the target you could take down, right? The larger the number, like a 12 gauge or a 22 gauge, you might be thinking like, well, why would I, if I'm using a shotgun, why would I want to use one with uh, worse power? Like, for example, if that's the way you're thinking of it. But it's not exactly as easy as that. Because believe it or not, and I didn't, shotguns are used for shooting small things most of the time in hunting. I always thought shotguns were for shooting big things. That was my idea of it my whole life i was like oh yeah shotgun big thing bang you know all those games you played left for dead you always take out take down those beefy ones with a shotgun but no 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 on this it's actually you use shotguns to kill like a uh, small game and waterfowl which are like uh, and, and other migratory birds so you're talking like ducks geese uh rabbits other birds it's crazy i mean you also use it for slightly larger things but anyway i was shocked to hear that so you could imagine that although having a lower number for your ammunition for a shotgun would give you a higher power uh, which means you can take out a bigger thing you it's only gonna it's gonna have a smaller spread it's gonna hit less of a target for example and if you have a higher number 12 22 and it actually goes up to 401 it's just that's a different calculation, I think, 401 birdshot, they call it, you would have loads of little balls, which would spread out further and further in the area that you shoot, which has a higher chance of hitting more things or smaller things that are moving faster. Makes sense. Uh, Yeah, so that's the 12-gauge shotgun and its companions. So I got this brake barrel, and, uh, you know, for what I'll be using, this might be... The kind of thing I'll be using but another thing I might be using would be a bolt action for example which is one where you actually manually load a round into the chamber of the gun or the uh, you know, I think the chamber of the gun and then you pull a bolt back and it locks the round in place with the brake barrel you actually break the barrel that's why it's called that you uh, so I knock down on the top of you'll hear it here maybe, hopefully, okay, so so that's breaking the barrel down, which is the front part the long, skinny bit where the bullet comes out you hit that hard on the top and it will break down on a hinge and it will reveal the chamber where you can just manually load the uh, round and then you bring it back up, connect it into place take aim, uh, you get the bolt action, then you get also get like semi-automatic which have a uh, like cartridges with five rounds in it for example or four rounds so you would load the rounds into that cartridge put the cartridge on the gun and the act of making the gun fire would it will use some of the energy from that to move the other uh, bullet in place and load the next one in the chamber it's a pretty cool process one of the most interesting parts of it the, the lessons i was doing was seeing these x-ray images like of the of the weapons being loaded and used and being able to see the functions going on inside it like where does the pin drop where does the pistol uh the piston move and how does it get loaded into the chamber it was cool that was the core test which again i think a little bit weird uh i understand it makes total sense to teach all these things before people go off into the wilderness it's the only way around it to be honest around like people just going and destroying uh or taking things unwittingly it's nice to have like uh educational barriers there's also financial barriers to those educational barriers which is a little bit more problematic i think it should be free which doesn't really make sense but find a way to make it free and make it free like uh but Anyway, I think the impact of it on the environment isn't duly noted, so we'll see. And obviously, I'm just talking about I'm talking about hunting, not guns, right there. Anyway, so I bought this uh, this one, and since then, I've been trying to learn how to use it and to fire correctly and accurately. And even that's an interesting venture because uh, you have to get used to how that specific weapon shoots something and how the thing you're firing moves through the air you get used to how to use an iron sights where do you position the target on this you have to tweak it move some numbers around i put a scope on recently which is like iron sights are pretty much when there's like a little marking just on the top of the rifle no scope to look through it doesn't magnify the image at all whereas a scope is going to magnify the image so i have a four times scope on this which is kind of nice it came with the gun. This is a Ruger Airhawk. They make a full power one of this, but this is the sub power, as I said earlier. It's really nice, it's wooden stock, uh, metal parts, You know, I, I'm, it's really nice, yeah, I like it a lot. It's, it's heavy, it's like nine pounds. I think if I get a real gun, I'd try and make it lighter than that, because that's fucking, it gets a little annoying carrying that everywhere, walking through the forest with it for long distances it gets tiring i don't i need i mean i could get a shoulder sl- strap for it which would help but i don't have one yet um uh, what's i saying yeah so trying to get used to the scope is fun i have like targets that i drop, and then i try to. I, I was reading about zeroing in the scope which is making sure that the scope hits the target and is accurate at certain distances so i'm just doing like 30 foot 30 yards right now i have this like wooden post with uh exactly what you imagine old firing ring on it i stand back at like 30 feet or 30 yards and just fire five or 10 into it and then go and check it out obviously trying to hit the middle and then if most of them i end up like you know four inches south like down, uh, and a couple inches to the left, then you can pretty much tell that it's not firing accurately, and it's probably the scope that's a little bit off. So there's a way you can, like, there are dials on the scope where you just turn them, and it will correct that for a certain distance. So, you know, you click this little dial around, and it will actually make it so that I'm sure it's just moving the recticle in the middle of the scope. It's moving it down or up or left or right or whatever. So now, when you fire at that same distance, it actually hits where you wanted it to hit. Now that takes like it for this. It, it took me like hours to get right because you would make changes to it and you'd go again, and then you it wouldn't be where you wanted it to be. So you'd go and have a look. You'd have to make changes again. You keep going, going, going. It was, I mean, I, I'm sure it was like a couple of days, a couple hours each day. But now it's on, I think, hope. Uh, it doesn't matter that much. That's the thing. Again, I'm still trying to get used to just standing correctly. I don't know how to stand correctly with this. And then you have to hold it correctly. Not just when you're walking with it. I mean, obviously, when you're shooting with it, you have to hold it correctly when you're moving with it as well. So when you're firing it, you have to have your breathing correct. And I don't know, you know, how to do this as much. I'm trying to breathe calmly and smoothly. I'm sure that's the right way. but I don't know if you're meant to hold your breath on the, on the, on the trigger, you know, or you squeeze the trigger and pull through. I'm sure you don't just pull it sharply. Anyway, I'm just trying to learn that as I go and what seems to work better, how to hold it. Uh, I have the general idea from, you know, Googling some stuff, but. Uh, I didn't look for it specifically, so it's kind of fun to get used to it this way. It's really nice, actually. Uh, What else? So, yeah, then after that, ideally, I just get better at understanding how to hold it and how to harness it and breathe properly and stand properly. I get more comfortable with it. It becomes, uh, or you know, when you start driving and... Every single turn you take, you're super fucking aware of and super anxious, like, fuck, am I taking this turn right? So this will be, that's what it's like now, you know, I pick it up and I'm like, oh, am I holding it right? Is my face in the right position? Am I looking right? Okay, where was it last time? Is the scope kit? Okay, we got my eye at the right part for the scope. Oh, safety off, you know. Da-da-da. Pull the trigger, don't pull too hard, just squeeze slowly to, to, to where I feel the second trigger release, then nice movement, smooth, etc., etc. But that's just trying not to wobble that shit. I'm so wobbly, it's crazy. And I'm, I'm trying to hold that up. And maybe it's because it's like nine pounds, but that's not that heavy. I'm just wobbling this fucking thing. So I keep doing this, get better and better. And uh, eventually I'll go maybe in a month or something. Hopefully, if not, maybe it's next year to do the uh, firearms course. And then I'll buy a real rifle. And then I'll go to the hunting course. And then I'll hopefully go and hunt an animal, like a deer, and get all the meat and figure out what that whole experience is like and take my time doing it. Yeah. I don't know what it's going to be like, uh, spiritual, maybe sad, probably, uh, difficult, most likely, uh, enjoyable. Yeah, probably. And, uh, very interesting. So I'll wait and see what that's like. The other option would be to go and do the core hunting course now and just bring my bow up and just keep practicing on the bow. Practice, practice, practice. I have these nice broadheads, which pretty much the things on the tip of my bow right now are called field tips. And you just screw them on, screw off a different kind of head. Like for example, this other thing called a broadhead, which is like four or three blades that come down from a sharp point Obviously, for more hunting purposes, you also get ones called like judos I think judos and they're they're like blunt tips and they would be for you know, maybe you want to hit a rabbit and your big you know one inch or half inch broad head is just going to destroy all the meat and make it it's a little bit silly so you can change it over to this blunt force trauma one which with the power of the bow I mean you got like three different kinds of bow. Mine's a recurve bow. Uh, you, it comes in three pieces with a string, and you can string it up yourself. It's super easy. It's like a hundred and fifty buck or something. And you know, you just attach it together, and then you string this bow on it. Uh, sorry, you string a string on it. String a string, string 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 it up, and then uh, you're good to go. You. You know, you, there's a couple other things you can do. You put, like, a rest on it for the arrow to sit on. That would go where you're... Like, I'm right-handed, so I draw back with my right hand. My left hand is holding the bow. So just above where my hand is, there's, like... A, I could put a little plastic rest on it so the arrow can rest on that. Then you could put a knock on the string, which is kind of just, like, imagine a couple little coils or circles around... Rings around the uh, string, and that's where you're going to notch or knock your... Uh, arrow into every time it just makes it easier to find it and quicker i don't have one of them uh, you could put an, a sight on it but not like a i guess you could put a little scope on it if you wanted to but they have different ones which are like uh kind of like range finder sc- scopes it's like a imagine like a straight vertical line with like a little notch next to it with like a yard indicator on it and depending how far you are You can move that to give you an idea of how the uh, air and travel of the arrow, the arrow's flight path, is going to be affected uh, by the distance. Because arrows are really powerful, but at short range. Like, I'm pretty certain, certain the best people probably can't shoot much more than 40 yards comfortably. And even for me, you know, I'd probably be... Yesterday I was shooting at 20 yards, I guess... And uh, although it doesn't feel like far away, God, I've only shot like 50 arrows, so it's very hard to get them accurate. They just go everywhere. If I can just get them on the 6 by 4 foot piece of wood, I'm happy. I don't have to go looking through the bush for them. Yeah, so... um, Why was I saying that again? Fuck. Yeah, so I could get better at using the bow and arrow. And then I could go hunting. I just have to do my core test. Which would be a bit cheaper, it's like half the price of doing all of it together, right? And then uh I could go hunting with bow, which would be interesting too. And bow and arrow season starts earlier in the year than other seasons because I guess because it's harder to give to for to use a bow and arrow. Uh so they give an extra week or two weeks at the start of the seasons for like elk or deer or black bear or whatever it is in most places not everywhere in some places anyway so i don't know if that is yeah i don't know if that's the best idea i, I don't think i would be accurate enough by then by well you know that's september maybe se- it's season opens in september so how how good can you get a bow an arrow how quickly Four months? Three? Oh, wait, how many? I'm terrible with months. That's like two months if I was practicing every single day. Maybe, maybe. But Again, I don't want to put myself in an uncomfortable situation that therefore puts an animal in a suffering position or situation. And uh, there is no rush. Don't need to rush this. Just take your time. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, I'm going to dig a couple holes. Six feet out, I think, from where the A-frame leader bar at the top sits. I'm going to dig them in the ground, two of them, like adjacent from the trees that are holding up the pole. All the way out to the reflector. And then I'm going to try and secure another two poles to that and make like a little den canopy. I'll pack it up from the sides, like real far out now, and put a roof on it is what I'm thinking. That would be a nice next project. Uh, and I'm also going to plink some cans and some wood it's gonna be great thanks for tuning in listening more stuff to come that was only a fraction and uh all the love go adventure peace out